the way that you have opened up uh, the service. Uh, I feel like I could uh, just close right now and uh, we, could, we could go home or I could go home and, and you could stay in your living room. Um, Christmas can be an incredibly stressful time. Uh, I read a story recently about a, a young dad who had taken his three-year-old son Christmas shopping with him. And when they had got to the checkout counter, uh, his three-year-old son uh, fell to the ground, uh, kicking and screaming, and just threw a huge temper tantrum there. And, and as uh, all these people were gathering around, the young father would speak with such tenderness and such compassion, and he would say, it's okay, Albert, just a little bit longer, Albert. Uh, Albert, don't embarrass yourself. Just a little bit longer, Albert, and we'll be in the car. And, and Albert, just a little bit longer after that, we'll, we'll be home. One of uh, the, the men behind him in the lineup was just admiring how this young dad was talking so patiently and so tenderly to his son, wanted to encourage the young dad. And he said to, to the man, uh, Sir, I've been watching you and I admire the way you speak so patiently and the way you are dealing with your son, Albert. I just want to tell you, I'm impressed. The young dad looked to the man and he said, My son's name is Sam. I'm Albert. <laughs> I hope you're laughing in your living room because in the sanctuary where it's empty, it's very quiet. If it was full and it would be quiet, it would be, uh, it would be tough to regroup from that. <laughs> We are in our second week of Advent, and we are hoping that through this Advent series that it will ignite your imagination, that it will renew your commitment to your Lord Jesus Christ. Or for those of you who are watching and maybe you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you would consider that in this Advent series. Last week, Pastor Gary spoke on the mystery of Advent, a time of embracing and uh, the unknown with wonder and with awe. Today, I want to talk about waiting. The Advent season is about waiting. A time of anticipating, a time of expecting the coming peace, the Messiah. But as we think about that, and we think about our own lives, most of us probably would admit that we're not very good at waiting. Uh, in fact, maybe some of us would even go so far as to say, I hate waiting. And in our impatience, or our impatience would show up sometimes, maybe even at Christmas time when we're playing card games with our family and friends. And our impatience shows up when somebody that we're playing cards with is taking a little bit longer to play their, car their hand. And we say, what are you waiting for? Or perhaps it shows up when you're driving your car and you're at the stoplights and the light turns green and the person in front of you doesn't respond in that millisecond that it turns green and you say, hey buddy, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for a particular shade of green? And our impatience and our lack of skill at waiting shows up. But those are really small illustrations, right? Those are small uh, irritations to us, really. We might say something in those small irritations like, I can't believe this has taken so long. I can't believe I'm waiting here like this. It's costing me time and time that I don't have. Or maybe we even mumble under our breath, or maybe not so much under our breath, but we say, I have better ways to spend my time than waiting. Sound familiar? 
we don't like waiting because waiting delays our progress. And sometimes we think waiting is a waste of our time. But I'm guessing this morning that we are waiting for things much bigger than maybe somebody at the traffic lights. Maybe far bigger than someone just taking their time playing the cards in their hands. I know there are many watching online right now. We are waiting in varying degrees. We're in a time of darkness. We're in a time of confusion. We're in a time maybe where we're feeling abandoned. A time of, or a season of longing. A longing for something to be set right in our lives. A longing for something to be fulfilled. Maybe you're watching this morning and you're in a season of waiting for physical healing to take place. And as you look at your life and as you look at your season of waiting, the thing is you have tried everything you know to try. You've gotten the advice from all the counselors and you've prayed and you've believed. You've worked hard, but nothing seems to be moving. Nothing seems to be happening. And so you continue to wait in this period of time. As we wait, it is human to feel frustrated. As we wait, it is human to feel anxiety and to feel anxious about our situation. And in fact, it is even human sometimes to feel like our hopes are dying within us as we wait. Why? I think because waiting reminds us that we lack control over so many circumstances in our lives. Someone is slowing us down. Someone is preventing us from enjoying the thing that we think will make us happy and complete. But as I look at my own life and the times where I am waiting, it's often times that I focus on the object of what I'm waiting for, the object of my desire rather than my provider. I don't know what you're hoping for in this time. But I do know from my own experience too that waiting on God is one of the most difficult lessons to learn in life. But if you are in a place of waiting, if you're in that place of confusion, in that place of longing, we are in good company as we read through the scriptures. David wrote, in fact, he cried out in Psalm 13 verse 1. We read these words, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? The Old Testament prophets, they too, it seemed like all they did was wait. Listen to the words that Isaiah wrote. We read them in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, and we know them through this Christmas season. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. When I read the words of Isaiah, when we read the words of Isaiah, it seems like he was so wrapped up in God's thought and in God's counsel. It's as if he's speaking these words as if he could see them already take place. 
as if he was already there, as if he was already seeing the hour of salvation, the seeing the hour when deliverance had come to the people of Israel and for all mankind. As if he himself were already standing over the manger in adoration of the king, of Jesus who had come to earth. But guess what? Those words that Isaiah had said in chapter 9, it was still another 700 years before those words would come to fulfillment. It was still another 700 years before that first Christmas came about. 700 years is a long time to wait. It's tempting sometimes to sterilize the scriptures. I don't know this for sure, but... I wonder if in their waiting, as the Israelites were waiting for this prophecy to come to fulfillment, as they sat in darkness, if they weren't a little bit confused about the whole situation, if there weren't times in their 700 years of waiting, if they wondered, God, where are you? When are you going to show up? I wonder if there was times in their waiting, if they had wondered, if God had maybe abandoned them. If maybe they wondered if God had lost interest in them. I wonder if in those years of waiting, if they ever thought, God, how long is this going to take? Hey God, can you even hear us as we cry out? Hey God, are you truly good? I mean, these things that we have heard others talk about you, the things that we have learned, uh, are they actually true? If you've ever wondered why God has maybe allowed such a lengthy wait, a lengthy delay in answering your deepest cries. If that's where you are, I think the Advent series or the Advent season can teach us so much. That in this Advent season, we can learn that there is hope in these times of waiting on the Lord to respond. But as we wait on the Lord... We need to understand something very important, that waiting isn't passive. Waiting doesn't mean that we just sit on our hands. Waiting doesn't mean that we just twiddle our thumbs while we wait for the Lord. That's not what God has intended for us as followers of Jesus. Our waiting is not passive. Yes, we, still, we are still in the sense that we take our hands off of some of these circumstances and off of these situations, and we allow the Holy Spirit, we allow the Lord to work in our circumstances, but God also wants us to be active as we wait. As we anticipate His arrival, we are active in watching for the signs of His working, and He wants us to join Him in what He is doing. We're active in pursuing our relationship with Him as we wait for Him to act on our behalf. And we do this primarily by being intentional about taking hold of God's word and we take hold of the promises that he has put forth in his word. This morning, what are you waiting for? Here's what we can learn in this Advent season. Here's what we can learn to understand in our waiting. And number one is that God sees us in our waiting. A lot of you watching online right now are in a season of longing. You're longing for something to be set right in your life. Longing for a dream of yours to be fulfilled. 
Maybe longing for your family to be put back together or, or longing perhaps that by this Christmas season you wouldn't be alone. Maybe for you this morning, this season, you're waiting for a prayer to be answered. And you're praying, God, when are you going to work in my children's lives like the way I want you to? Maybe you're praying for that prodigal child to come home. Maybe it's a prayer that you have for a family of your own. Maybe this season is a season of grieving. Grieving the loss of something or someone so dear to you. Maybe this season is a season where you're waiting for physical healing and that physical healing still has not come to you. Or maybe this is a season where you're still waiting. It's been another year where financially things just haven't worked out and you're still waiting. God sees you in your waiting. God said about the Israelites, I saw them, I heard them, I did not forget about them. But it was just a matter of time before I took that darkness, before I stepped into their situation, before I stepped into their darkness in my perfect timing. You see, God is not panicked by the clock. God saw his people and he remembered them. And as we reflect on the story, as we read through the scriptures, we can take assurance and we can take confidence in that too, that God sees us in our waiting. Perhaps it has felt like 700 years of waiting in silence and darkness for yourself. God sees you and he remembers you. God sees us. The second thing that we can know and we can learn through this Advent series or season is that God always comes through in our waiting. He always comes through in his perfect timing, in his perfect way. And he is going to turn our chaos into something that is going to bring him glory and to bring him honor. And he's going to weave it into his perfect timetable. As we read through the prophets of old, boy, it's amazing how much of their lives they spent in a posture of waiting. But listen to the prophets' words as they speak the promises of God to themselves and to others and to us to this day. The promises of God to those who wait on him. Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah, who had been rejected by his own people. He had been cast into the dungeon and he had been forgot about by his people. But he said this, the Lord is good to those who wait on him. It is good for one to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Isaiah said, blessed are those who wait for him. And again, Isaiah said in prophesying and giving the words of God to the people, he said, those who wait for me, those who wait on God shall not be put to shame. God did not disappoint those who would wait on him. And he will not let you be put to shame either as you wait on him him he has never let down those who have trusted in him and who have waited on him and you will not be the first God always comes through but you might be saying 
well, then why does he wait so long? Why does he wait so long to answer my prayers? I don't know all the answers to that. (laughs) But from my own experiences, I can tell you that there are things that we can learn about God in our waiting that we can't learn anywhere else. I think Paul was on to something when he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, indeed, we felt like we had received the sentence of death. Yeah, some of us feel like that right now. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. You see, in our waiting, it is not always pleasant It is not pleasant when we wait on the Lord, but it is good for us to sit sometimes in a posture of helplessness. As we sit before the Lord, to be in a place where we would say, God, I've tried everything I know to try, and I don't know what else to do. But I do know, God, that if you don't show up, that it's not going to get done. That can be a very good place to be in to wait quietly for the salvation of God, to depend upon His mercy is the safest place that we are ever going to be. Unfulfilled longings teach us to lean in to the goodness of God. Unfulfilled longings teach us to explore the depths of His character. Who is this baby, this Messiah that we worship at Christmas time and throughout the year? Who is this Messiah that Isaiah prophesied some 700 years before it came to fulfillment? Who is it that we worship? Isaiah says about him, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor. Counseling is big business nowadays. Wonderful counselor, wonderful. It's the word that represents something that is unusual, something that is extraordinary. And in scripture, it most often is used in the context of God's words and God's deeds. God's words, his deeds, they are always perfect. They are unfailing words. How does Christ counsel us today? He counsels us primarily through his word. As we prayerfully read his word, as we we discern his voice, his reassurance, his correction, his training, his wisdom, and his direction. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Ah, Jesus Christ, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, one of the most ancient terms for God. It's interesting that in the Gospels, in Matthew and Luke, they describe the birth of Christ in lowly terms. But when you open up John's Gospel, he opens it up with a different kind of nativity account. Listen to what he says. He says, the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. See, in calling Jesus the word, John was saying, Jesus is the message. Jesus is the communication. Jesus is the tangible expression of thought, of God's thought. Jesus was the tangible expression of God in humanity or for humanity. Does the Bible really teach us that Jesus Christ is God? Absolutely. Evidence for the deity of Christ is found throughout the pages, but consider just a few affirmations of this. At the end of John's gospel, 
Thomas exclaims to the risen Christ, my Lord and my God. Hebrews 1.8 says of Jesus, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Colossians 2.9, for in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Titus chapter 2, verse 13, the apostle Paul tells us to be on the lookout. He says, while we wait for the blessed hope. You see that? While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. How can Christ be our Father? How can the Son be the Father? Christ is our everlasting Father in the sense that He is the author, He is the originator, He is first over all. He is our spiritual parent. He is the one who gives us new birth. He is called the everlasting Father because it is His death and His work on the cross that have made it possible for us to be saved from our sin. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Who doesn't need a little bit of peace in their life right now? Uh, the term and the meaning for a person, the prince of peace, is someone who has immediate authority as the leader. It would be good in our waiting, in our Advent season, for us to search out and to memorize some of these incredible verses, even found in the book of Isaiah, about God's incredible peace. He shall be called the Prince of Peace. Of his greatness, of his government, and peace, there will be no end. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace lord you establish peace for us all that we have accomplished you do or you have done for us and then isaiah says you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you in our waiting. Keep our minds on Christ. The names and the character of Jesus. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Those terms and the character of Jesus, they force us to wrestle with whether or not we believe in the promises of God. Whether or not we believe that he is good. Whether or not we believe that we can trust him. And that wrestling in our waiting time, it can produce a depth of trust in God that will create a joy and a strength of faith that we could not have known any other way. And so this morning, do you feel like you're in darkness? Do you feel like God has been silent to you for 700 years? God will come through in his perfect time and in just the right way. He will not fail. He has not failed in keeping his word yet, and in, you won't be the first one that he fails in keeping his word too. And so we keep waiting, and we hope in the faithfulness of our God, because that's the one thing we can fully trust in. 
And that's what Isaiah's prophecy and the time of waiting can teach us, that he sees us, that he always comes through in our waiting. And the third thing is this, that Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of our waiting. Isaiah's prophecy of fulfillment, 700 years in the waiting, demonstrates that Christ is the ultimate fulfillment to their longing. What Israel needed most and what Israel thought they needed most were not the same thing. You see, what Israel thought they needed was a Davidic king, a a political deliverer who would throw off the yoke of slavery and oppression and restore prosperity to them. But what the Israelites needed was restoration with God. And that's why Christ came like he did. See, you and I might be thinking this Christmas that what we really need is a relationship. What we really need is for our physical health to be restored. What we really need this Christmas is some financial assistance. What we really need this Christmas is a family reunion. And those are legitimate desires. I don't want to minimize those things. But what we most need is restoration with our Heavenly Father. I am so thankful for a church family who I know is praying passionately for one another. We are praying passionately for one another as we wrestle with COVID. And we are passionately praying for those who have lost someone close to them in in, in these months and, and in these weeks prior to today. I'm so thankful for that. I am so uh, grateful for our church family and I know that you have been praying for me also and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. Continue to do that. Don't stop praying for one another. But I wonder, church family, if we are as passionate about praying for our unsaved friends and family members because what we most need is a reunion with God. We were created for God. And that's why nothing in our lives, nothing in our heart can ever take the place of God. Nothing can satisfy that longing in our hearts because we were created for fellowship with the Heavenly Father who loves us. And His love is the one thing that we can depend on to satisfy our longing. Christian philosopher Pascal said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each person which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. St. Augusta famously said, Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God. Solomon, in his wisdom, said, I have uh, seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. They all leave you empty, in other words. Money, relationships, family, those things are great, but they are not what we are ultimately created for. We are created for Jesus. We are created for our Heavenly Father. And our hearts are going to be restless until we find our rest in Him. We've got to be restored to Him. And it's only the Messiah that can do that. I want to be clear on something this morning. That God is good. And His goodness will often look like physical healing in our lives. His goodness will often look like restored families and restored relationships. His goodness to us will often look like a fulfilled dream in our lives. But first and foremost, Jesus came to restore a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And that is the most important thing because everything else 
will only be superficial if that's all it is. You see, that's the message of Christmas. That's the message of the Bible that God loves you and wants to be restored to and bring you back to himself. That eternal life is knowing God. Not just something we will have in the afterlife, but something that God wants to give us here and now. I love the song that, we, uh, that was sung before the service. Hark the herald angels sing. See, the angels came with an announcement of good news. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Not because of what we have done, but because of what God was doing through Christ. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. You see, that's the gift that God has offered through Christ at Christmas time and throughout the year. Because it's a gift that he has purchased so that we could be brought back to him. Friends, you were created for God. That is ultimately the message of Christ. The prophets waited in anticipation and excitement for the Messiah to come that first time. And we are waiting in anticipation and excitement for the Messiah to come again one final time. But as we wait, let's not be passive. Let us pursue relationship with him, growing in knowing him and being obedient to him. Amen.